Morena Tefana. Before we get stuck into the sermon this, year, uh, this morning, um, as you may not know, this happened last Monday night. A small group of us got together and um, Mark Bauman was baptised, um, which was a really, really lovely occasion. It was just a small group of us, his life group, um, predominantly they were there, um, and he professed his faith in Jesus Christ. And Mark's not here today because he was embarrassed. So. <laughs> but um, when you do see Mark when he's back, give him a pat on the back, huh? Um, last week, we, 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 we were in a part two of this series on this guy, this prophet named Elijah. And the big picture we got out of last week was this, these two words, only God. It was fascinating how God works through people uh, predominantly, first and foremost. He goes out, he grabs Elijah, he says, I need you to give a message, and then I'm going to whisk you away because I've got some work to do in you. And so while he's trying to teach the people who God is, he's actually spending quite a lot of time spending with Elijah and teaching him how to trust and rely wholly and completely on God. Never got more than enough food for the day. Never knew what was going to happen tomorrow. Elijah had to completely and absolutely rely on God. So that when he did face the prophets of Baal, he knew who God was. He knew that it is only God. And in fact, faces them all off, says a small prayer, doesn't have to do anything big or, or anything, little prayer and next thing no boom god shows up and everybody sees that there is only god in fact the reply from the israelites was this when all the people saw this they fell prostrate and cried at the lord he is god the lord he is god and of course riding the high elijah you know he's he's learned who god is he's learned how to depend on God. He has learned it's only God. Now the people have learned it. So they grab all the prophets. He calls them out and says, kill them all. Here we make our stand. And like a good Pentecostal pastor, fire and brimstone, get rid of these false prophets. Kills them all. But then something strange happens. Ahab, who's king, who's seen all of this, he runs back to his wife, the queen, Jezebel, and he, and she say, he says to her, he goes, honey, you wouldn't believe what he's done. He's killed all your priests. So Jezebel, I think, was Italian personally. <laughs> she puts a hit out on, uh, on Elijah, right? And, 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 you know, Italians are really good at uh, the whole uh, vengeance thing. She puts a hit out on him, and how does Elijah react? Like he's just seen fire fall from heaven. He's just seen how God provides. He's just seen his power and, and everything. And how does he react? <laughs> it's amazing. I don't know about you guys, but if I was in his situation, I, I can't say if I was because I must probably run too, but you just think, he's come up against hundreds of these priests of Baal. He's just got down on his knees and next thing you know, boom, fire from heaven hits, just shows the power of God. 
And now he's worried because Jezebel's put a hit out on him. He runs. So he was so afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Bit of a drama queen, huh? He might be Italian too, by the way. We are, we are a bit, uh, we love a bit of opera in our lives. And there's Elijah. He comes to this point, and you've got to think, we've just witnessed two Elijahs, right? We've witnessed Elijah, the man of God, and we've witnessed Elijah, the man. Now, I resonate quite a lot with Elijah, because I can flip quite easily between the two. I don't know how I do it on a Sunday that I can come up and preach like this. I honestly can't explain it to you because if I don't have it planned out and in my head, I'm a mess. That's the man. But when I step back and let him lead, it kind of works. How many times have I been faced with against the odds Uh, events and how many times have I seen God come through yet how many times have I run away now you guys know what I'm talking about because many of you are just like that how many times have you been faced with all these things and you've run and yet God has always seemed to come through for you I've got to use a Brene Brown Quote, I haven't used one in a while, but she says this. She says, what we know matters, but who we are matters more. We might know God is God, but does it actually live within us? Do, do we actually hold to that? What we know matters, but who we are matters more. You see, with Elijah, in the face of adversity, he forgot who he was. He forgot who God was. He forgot who he was following here. He forgot everything. Basic instinct, he ran. Basic instinct, he freaked out. And off he goes. It's kind of like, I don't know, you ever been so angry or upset or frustrated, you get in the car and you drive? Anyone done that? Was it just me? You drive and you drive, and then you realize you've got to get back home. Well, this guy, you know what he does? He goes, he runs, he runs. You know how far he runs? I don't know. There's a Bible obsession with 40 days and 40 nights. But he went for 40 days and 40 nights. There's no 7-Eleven along the way. There's no countdown on the corner. No dairy to kind of stop in and grab a drink. He's out in the desert. And he keeps going. He is that flustered. He is that afraid. He is that full of fear. He is that freaked out. He is that over it that he's gone that far. And he went as far as he could to Mount Horeb, to the mountain of God. And that's where he stopped. And God asks him this question. He says, hey, dude, what are you doing here? What's going on? 
Why, why have you come this far? Why are you here? You know, I could read it between the lines. I, I don't think this was part of the plan, Elijah. I don't think this is what I asked you to do. Why are you so far from where I had you? And Elijah responds in a very typically human way. He says, look, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. And that's just a plain lie. We've just read what the Israelites did and how they reacted to him. But he can't see that because he is overwhelmed by fear. He is overwhelmed by anger, disillusionment, whatever it is. His brokenness is coming out. All he sees now is the negative. He can't see any good in this. He can't see that actually they saw that the Lord was the Lord. What has he done? He's run away. And what do you think those guys back there have done? Oh, okay. I guess the Lord is Lord, but we'll just go back to what we were doing because the prophets run away. He's freaked out. He's forgotten the good that's happened. He's forgotten the strength that he has in God. He's forgotten this Lord Almighty, who is a provider, Lord of power, and he's forgotten all of this. All he can think of is the bad. So God gives him direction. He says, okay, go up and go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. He's hanging out in a cave. He's like, okay, cool. I'll sit here and wait for the Lord to pass by. And so several things happen. First of all, a great and powerful wind tore through the mountain, uh, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. I, I don't know, if you were sitting in the cave and all this is happening, I'd be just a little bit freaked out. But he seems to be quite calm and collected because after the fire came, a gentle whisper appeared. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. He knew God so well that he knew not to jump when mountains were falling. He knew not to jump when there were earthquakes. He knew when not to jump when there was fire and all of this. Maybe some of us Christians need to learn some of this. But when he stopped quietly enough to hear the whisper, he knew it was God. So what does God say? <laughs> uh, what are you doing here, Elijah? Just to kind of reiterate a question I've already asked you. And guess how Elijah responds? I'll put the verse up because it's identical to the other one. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected you. Kill me now. Now I've got the Lord, I'm going to really tell him. And it's fascinating, the words that he uses in all of this. Very zealous, rejected, torn down, death. I'm the only one, kill me. Oh, he must be Italian. I can hear my mother talking like that. When I don't wash the dishes or do something wrong. When I was a kid. Kill me now! It's, I mean, we're making light of this, but there's some real drama here. And the drama is deeply personal. This is a guy 
who has seen it all. And we're not just talking about defeating the prophets of Baal. He just saw the mountains tremble, fire come down from heaven. And yet he is still holding so tenaciously to a line that makes me wonder, do you really know God? Do you really know him? You know, I'm going to get on my little soapbox now because I want to challenge us to this. In 100 days, we're going to have an election and thank God I'm not going to be around because there's nothing that upsets me more when I see us divide over these things. There was a meeting a few... A few years ago, I think it was at the, actually, I think it was at the last election, us Baptist pastors got together and one guy decided amongst us to step up and say that, you know, to all of us that were there, you guys are all following the devil. This whole bicultural gender thing is evil. You're all following a liberal Marxist worldview. And I just sat there and I thought, did you swear at me? What, what did you say? Liberal Marxist view. We don't define ourselves by our politics. We don't define ourselves by the shirts we wear or the nationalities that we just happen to have been born into. We don't define ourselves by our national status. Like my mother, a refugee, and my grandparents who were refugees. They're not defined by that. I'm not defined by that. I'm defined by Christ. We are defined by Christ. And while we want to kick and scream and tell the world how bad it is, the work of politics is to divide. The work of Christ is to unite. We can never be compatible with that world. I'm okay for us to have discussions that we disagree on. And it might even get heated. Hey, I've got Italian-Arabic blood in me. Everything divides us. Everything is heated. But Christ unites us. And here, Elijah is faced with a lot of his own prejudices. His job is to share who God is with his people and to bring them back into reconciliation with their God. Not to sit there and accuse them. In fact, if you guys go home today and read 1 Kings chapter 19, because it's fascinating what God does after this point. Absolutely fascinating. Right? You know, this, he said it twice now. He's, he's complained. And God never answers him. God never says anything about it. He just ignores him completely. The next verse God goes on to say, well, I want you to go to here and there. And hey, there's a, a guy named Elisha. I want you to go talk to him because he's going to succeed. It completely ignores his concerns. Because God is not interested about where the world is at. He's interested where you are at. He's interested with not what's going on around you. The world's always broken. We're all broken. The Bible tells us there will always be Rumours of war. But he is wholeheartedly interested in what's going on within you. 
This story of Elijah, the great prophet, and what he's done, which we, we follow in Sunday school, we hear in sermons and all, but the story is actually not about what he's done. It's what God is doing with him. And you can see, as you read further on, how much he changes along the way. While initially he's all about the mission. And boy, we can be empowered. I know how I feel when I preach a sermon that really knocks it out of the park. I feel pretty good about myself. But boy, you know how I feel when I don't think I've knocked it out of the park? I'm in the car driving. But it's not about that. It's about my relationship with it's about our it's about who we are with him. Who is it? Who are you? Who do you follow? A great song I was listening to, a song by a guy named Jason Upton. It's called Sons and Daughters. And he's the chorus is just, you know, you, me and you, we're, we're a word from heaven. God created us with a word. We're all sons and daughters of the living God. And sometimes I think we forget that. We get so caught up with everything else that's going around us that we forget that you and me are children of the Lord God Almighty. And he has far more power, far more wisdom, far more insight than we could ever, ever grasp. And he has to remind us time. And, you know, the, in the Old Testament, these are just seven verses. If you read them, just take a look at them. They're all the same. But there is over 70 of these verses in the Old Testament alone where he's just completely reminding people, this is who I am. This is, remember who you were. This is who I am. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. He keeps reminding them, reminding them. Why? Because they keep forgetting and forgetting and forgetting. And we do the same. We do the same. And for Elijah, he had to run 40 days. The poor guy, he has to go back. That's another 40 days and 40 nights in the other direction. There's no Tesla that's going to get him there. And camels are a little bumpy to ride. But God's calling him back to the work. He's like, dude, get over yourself. I know what you're feeling. Get back to what you're doing. Remember, I provided for you every day. You needed to run, but I've always been there with you. And so Elijah is challenged. Who are you? And who do you follow? Who do you follow? I don't follow anything or anyone other than Jesus Christ. I've got a long family history that I'm pretty, to some ways, proud of and weirded out by. But that's not what defines me. It's Jesus. I'm proud to be multicultural, an Italian family, a mum born in Egypt from Syrian and Turkish parents. It's great. Eat very well. You can tell. But that's not what defines me. It's Jesus Christ. I've got this ring, actually. I got it when I was in Israel uh, in 2012. 
And, and the, the Jewish vendor that was selling it to me knew I was Christian. And he goes, oh, I don't know if you want to wear that. It's from Deuteronomy, which says, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And it's a prayer that the, that the Jews, they, they repeat daily. And he said, oh, you don't want that. You, you believe in three gods. I said, no, I believe in one God. And, and, and this verse proves it. And he's like, what? What do you mean? Well, he's not talking about one as in numerically one. He's talking about one as in only. And I believe there is only one God. This defines me. What defines you? Who are you? And who do you follow? That's the challenge for you this morning. Is it your tendency to pick up and run when you face adversity? Is it your tendency to want to hide under a pillow or under the bed when you don't know what to do next? Train yourself to depend on him because he's been through it with you. Not once, not twice, but he's always there with you. And like for Elijah, even when he sees the greatest miracles he still has that tendency to run, and so do we. And so we've got to keep reminding ourselves, who is it that we follow? Who are we? We are sons and daughters of the living God. Amen? Amen. I ask our music team to come up. Father God, for those of us this morning who are struggling with even hearing those words that being known as even children of the living God, whether they're ashamed of hearing that or whether they're afraid of what they've done or where they've run to. You are there, Lord, not in the power of fire or wind or earthquakes, but in that still, small voice. And as we are challenged by your word and the story of Elijah, Lord, challenge us in our own lives. For those of us running, maybe it's just time to stop. For those of us who haven't been able to grasp the fact that we are children of the living God, sons and daughters here in Loved deeply by our Father in heaven. May we be reminded daily, Lord, of who you are and in turn who we are. In Jesus' name.